You are beloved and you are welcome here. Whoever you are, however you are, wherever you are on life's journey, whether you're feeling brave or broken-hearted, defiant or defeated, fearsome or fearful, you are beloved and you are welcome here. Whether tears have fallen from your eyes this past week or gleeful laughter has spilled out of your mouth, you are beloved and you are welcome here. Whether you have untold stories buried deep inside, stories that have been forced beyond the edge of comfort, you are beloved and you are welcome here. Whether you have made promises, broken promises, or are renewing your promises day by day, you are beloved and you are welcome here. Whatever is on your tender, precious heart, however it is with your soul in this moment, you are beloved and you are welcome here. In this space of welcome and acceptance, of commitment and recommitment, of sacred covenant and connection, in all our glorious variety, let us join in worship together this day. These opening words by Joan Javier Duval. Welcome all who are gathered this morning for our morning service. Welcome to those of you here in the building at Essex Church. Welcome to all who are joining us via Zoom from far and wide. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Jane Blackhall and I'm Minister with Kensington Unitarians. I'm glad to see you here this morning. This morning's service is titled Telling Stories, a title chosen in honour of National Storytelling Week, which is just coming to an end today. We'll be reflecting on the power of stories from a number of different angles, whether that's traditional wisdom stories that memorably encapsulate insights about life and how to live it and pass that wisdom down the generations, or the true life stories of the famous and the infamous, which serve as an inspiration or perhaps a warning or those more personal stories, the tales passed on by family and friends about their own life experiences and your own personal history. Our own stories, what about them? The stories of our lives, who are we sharing them with and how? How might those stories be preserved? In this hour, through readings and prayer, songs and silence, we'll begin to explore just a few of those themes. But as I always say, let us take a moment before we go any further to get settled, to fully arrive, to catch up with ourselves and prepare our hearts to worship. Let's try and set aside any fretfulness we came in carrying, as best we can anyway. Because we make this hour sacred with our presence and intention. So let us take a conscious breath or two, do whatever we need to do to ground ourselves in the here and now. And I'll light our chalice flame as I do each week. It's a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proud and historic religious tradition of which this gathering is part. We are a people of memory and hope of faithfulness and liberation. 
as inheritors of our ancestors' legacies, we hold their stories tenderly. Gleaning wisdom from diverse journeys, we unite in our hope for the future. Guide us to trust in truth and love as we kindle this flame together. Let's sing. Our first hymn today is number 43 in your purple hymn books. If you're in the church, gather the spirit. If you're joining via Zoom, the words will be up on screen. Feel free to stand or sit as you prefer. We haven't got Benj to help us today, so let's make up for his absence and sing out a little bit louder. Gather the spirit. let's take all those joys and concerns both spoken and unspoken into an extended time of prayer now this is based on some words by l annie forster you might want to put down anything you don't need to be holding you might want to adjust your position for comfort close your eyes 
whatever helps you to feel more prayerful, whatever gets you into the right state of body and mind to be fully present in the here and now with ourselves, with each other, and with that which lies within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being, we turn our attention to you, the light within and without, as we tune into the depths of life and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected. <coughs> Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. Giver of all gifts and grace, we know that life is a precious treasure. Though we would appear at times to squander it, remember all those ways in which we do not. <coughs> when we are happy, accept our outpouring joy as gratitude for all opportunities, both accepted and ignored. When we are broken, accept our tears and anger as gratitude for feeling deeply, for our ability to care. When we reach out to others, accept our caring acts as gratitude for the gifts of conscience and compassion. When we choose solitude, accept our silence as gratitude for the depth of spirit that we are seeking. When we act thoughtlessly, accept our mistakes as gratitude for the freedom we have to live our lives. When we act foolishly, accept our careless lapses as gratitude for the lessons we have yet to learn. When we share our stories, accept the telling of our lives as gratitude for friendship, family, community and connection. And when we worship, accept our humble rituals and offerings as symbols of gratitude for all they mean to represent. And in a good few moments of shared silence and stillness now, may we each speak inwardly the deepest prayers of our hearts. Maybe something in our own life or the life of the wider world is causing us sorrow and grief this day. Or maybe we're feeling full of gratitude and feel moved to give thanks for our many blessings. Let us each inwardly lift up whatever is on our heart this day and ask for what we most need.
Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. So it's about time we had a story, isn't it? When I first came to this church back in 1999, the minister then was Reverend Art Lester, who's still currently in active ministry with Croydon Unitarians. Stories were a regular part of art services, stories drawn from all kinds of sources, uh, and they made a great impression on me, perhaps more than I realised at first. I frequently called to mind key phrases or images from these tales, Fragments that encapsulate all sorts of wisdom, which I like to think has served me quite well in the intervening years. And I expect some of you can call to mind your own favourite teaching stories. They do tend to stick in the mind. That's a great part of their power. In fact, Art published a collection of his favourites a few years ago. He called it The Truth in 60 Seconds. And Hannah's going to read one of those stories for you now. Uh, this short story is called The Horse Might Talk. There was a certain court jester whose job it was, by long tradition, to poke fun at the king and thereby keep him alert to the realities of life outside the splendid walls of his palace. Because of his privileged position, he alone could risk getting too personal with his majesty's affairs, his appearance, even the fact that he snored loudly at night. One day, however, he went too far and accused the king of excessive flatulence. The king became enraged. At the urging of his ministers, he resolved to punish the jester. The following the day, the jester was in the royal courtyard when the king rode up on his horse, accompanied by a squad of cavalry. He pointed to the jester and ordered his soldiers to put him to death. The jester said, Sire, of, of course you have the right to order my execution, but there is just one thing I'd like you to consider. If you have me killed, then I will not be able to teach your horse to talk. The king was startled. How can you teach a beast to speak? He scoffed. Are you actually claiming that you can teach my horse to talk like a person? Certainly, your majesty, replied the jester. If you give me one year to comply, I will do so. The king thought for a moment. Then he said, all right then, I will spare your life for one year. But at the end of that time, if the horse can't talk, I will have you killed. He rode away, not looking back. A bystander came over and said to the jester, now what are you going to do? The jester just smiled. He said, in one year, the king might die. I might die, or the horse might talk. Thanks, Hannah. Make of that what you will. 
We're going to sing together now. Um, our next hymn is on your hymn sheet. It's a new one to me. It's by the Unitarian Universalist composer Amanda Udis Kessler. It's part of her queer sacred music project, and it's called Call Me By My Name. The words are right on topic. Um, the last verse says, the stories that we share will show us how to care. It's different to our usual style, but I think it's perfectly singable, and the words are lovely. So let's give it a try. Um, we haven't got Benji to help us, and as you'll notice, you've got a dilemma, because the words that are printed with the music are incredibly small, and the words that are a size you can read haven't got any music next to them. <laughs> so we have several challenges to overcome. Um, and notice that most of the music is in the centre pages, but the final verse has got an extra line which goes onto the back page. Let's just give it our best shot, and perhaps we'll try again before long so we get to learn it. I think, George, if you could play it right through before we, uh, we start. And fingers crossed. Call me by my name.
Anecdotally by Vanessa Ruth Southern. Ever wonder how we know what we know? How did you and I come to know all the things that are important to us? The truths that direct our choices and everything that gives our lives heft and power. For instance, I love science and all the ways it offers explanations and answers, but that isn't how I know that I know. I also love the clean truth of a mathematical equation, but that isn't how I know that I know. Nor is it just being told certain rules or given advice, even by those I respect. More and more I realize that what I know in my bones, I know through story. Some of the stories that anchor truths for me are myths, fables, or appear in works of fiction. Just beneath the make-believe in these stories is some reality that I can lean on. They remind me that stories can be true without being factual. My other favorite stories are the ones I've heard about people I have never met, stories that are probably embellished over time, but real nonetheless. The best of these are about people who were visionary, who took creative risks, who showed courage, or who simply embodied goodness. Knowing they lived makes what they did and who they were seem more possible for the rest of us. Knowing their stories adds them to the cloud of witnesses I imagine hovering around us, urging us on. Most compelling to me are the stories I know up close and personally, the stories I have witnessed and from the lives of people I have met and known. What does all this mean in practice? It means that some of what I know about compassion and the power of kindness I learned in the story of the Good Samaritan and in the poet Naomi Shihab Nye's own story of being robbed and left at the roadside during her honeymoon in Colombia. Some of what I know and trust about forgiveness I know from the stories of the people of South Africa and the work of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And from my own eighth grade crucible of being forgiven a hurtful transgression by a woman who has since become one of my best friends. I have learned what I know about love from my parents, my husband, and even from watching strangers be together. And also from the stories shared with me before every baby blessing, wedding, and funeral I have officiated. People have modeled courage right under my nose. I know too many stories about how the world can break or wound a person, but also armfuls of tales that tell the miracle of just how resilient a, a human soul can be. And of all that, it has made it clear to me that our need to catch and protect one another so as to leave more stories of wholeness not brokenness behind. Everything, everything that stirs me and asks for more, all that life instructs and demands, I know through story. Theologian Frederick Bruckner writes, 
It is absolutely crucial to keep in constant touch with what is going on in our own life story and to pay close attention to what is going on in the stories of other lives. If God is present anywhere, it is in those stories. If God is not present in those stories, then you might as well give up the whole business. Thank you. Thanks, Sonia. And thanks also for your valiant attempt with that hymn. I am definitely picking it again. We will get there. So we're moving into a time of meditation now. Um, I'm going to share just a few words by Rabbi Rami Shapiro on the stories we tell to focus on during this reflective time. This will take us into three minutes of silence that will end with the sound of a bell, and then we're going to hear some more lovely music from George. So, again, let's do what we need to do to get comfortable. You might want to make sure your feet are flat on the floor so you're steadied and grounded. And these words, they're just an offering. Feel free to use this time in your own way. So Rami Shapiro writes, The quality of our lives depends to a great degree on the kinds of stories we tell. Miserable people tend to tell stories of woe. Joyous people tend to tell stories of hope. The question we must ask is this, do our tales reflect the personality of the teller or do they create it? Does the tale mirror the teller, or does the teller come to resemble the tale? The safest answer, of course, is that it's a bit of both. But my own experience as a rabbi and a storyteller is that the tale has a greater power than the teller. The stories we tell ourselves about ourselves determine the quality of the selves we imagine we are. The stories we tell about others determine the quality of our relationships with them. Stories are creative acts of world-making. When we tell a story about ourselves, we create the self about which we are talking.
What's your life story? I don't mean where you grew up, went to school, got your first job, etc. I mean, what's your story? What narrative have you constructed from the events of your life? And do you know that this is the single most important question you can ask yourself. According to the fascinating field of narrative psychology, the stories we tell ourselves are the key to our well-being. If you've interpreted the events of your life to mean that you're unlucky or unwise, it's hard to look optimistically at the future. Conversely, if you acknowledge that you've made mistakes and faced difficulties, but seek or have already glimpsed redemption, you'll feel a much greater sense of agency over your life. That time you were laid off, for example, is it further proof that your career is going nowhere? Or is it the best thing that ever happened, liberating you to find work that better suits you? What about your divorce? Is it a sign that you're unlucky in love or a difficult passage to a more hopeful romance? The idea is not to delude yourself that bad things are actually good. It is instead to find meaning in the progression from one event to the next. It is to recognize that everything constantly changes. In your life, you will move from triumph to heartbreak, to boredom and back again, sometimes in the space of a single day. 
What are you to make of so many emotions, so many events? The facts might matter less than the narrative. Our stories are everything. They are the heart of love and of meaning. So what's your story? And are you telling the right one? And are you telling it to the right people? So there's no sermon from me this week, not even a reflection, not even some thoughts on, uh, just a few words. And they're mostly words of encouragement, encouragement to tell your story. This week's service theme was chosen in part with one eye on the spring mini retreat we've got coming up. That's the first weekend in March. Online on the second, in person on the third. The theme of this mini retreat is the stories of our lives. The original idea for this workshop came about because uh, over the years I've been involved in a few funerals for family and friends. And I've noticed I've been surprised and dismayed about how sketchy my sense of my loved one's life stories has turned out to be. After they've gone, we've come to write a eulogy and it's required a fair bit of detective work to piece together the details of the life they led before I knew them and to paint a more complete picture. Before my mum died, uh, I'd been to a workshop that Sarah, our previous minister, had won, run about funeral planning, where she encouraged us to jot down just a few notes about our life for the benefit of those we leave behind, perhaps also for the benefit of the minister who's conducting the funeral. And my mum had made a few notes, just one page, which were helpful when the time came. But I wish she'd left more. So many of the stories she told me time and again down the years had got mixed up in my mind, all the details were jumbled. And she was very much the keeper of the family stories. Sadly, my dad's memory is not so good, or perhaps his attention wasn't so good in the first place, and he's not been able to help me fill in the gaps. So all this said, I want to encourage you, each of you, to write down your life story as you would want it to be remembered all those memories that are significant to you. Tell your story the way you want it to be told while you still have the capacity to do so and inevitably while the story remains unfinished. It doesn't have to be an epic endeavour that captures every detail, just something for posterity. Collect together a handful of key memories and think about who you might want to share them with and how it is a real gift for the ones you leave behind. And if you like, we can get that process in motion at the mini retreat next month when I'll offer a few structured prompts to help you on your way. So to close these few words, I just want to offer a few more words of encouragement from, about sharing your story. More words from Frederick Beekner. He wrote, My story is not important because it is mine, God knows, but because if I tell it anything like right, the chances are that you will recognise that in many ways it is also yours. Maybe nothing is more important than that we keep track, you and I, of these stories of who we are and where we've come from and the people that we've met along the way. 
because it is precisely through these stories in all their particularity, as I have long believed and often said, that God is made known to each of us most powerfully and personally. May that be so for the greater good of all. Amen. One last hymn. We're back on safer territory now. It's a familiar hymn, number 208 in your purple books. When our heart is in a holy place, the words will be up on screen as usual. Let's sing up and enjoy it. Thanks, a few announcements to make. Thanks to Ramona for tech hosting and coping admirably with my errors. Thanks to Janine for hosting at home and welcoming everyone online. Uh, thanks to Tanya and Sonia and Janine for reading and to George for playing. Uh, Juliet's already gone to put the kettle on, so thanks to her for making the tea and thanks to Hannah for greeting. Both last minute stand-ins, much appreciated. We've got pear and ginger cake today, which is my current favourite, so do stay and have a slice if you can, or have a takeaway slice if you've got somewhere else to be. We've got various small group activities coming up. Stay behind after the service for today for many voices uh, with Gaynor and Tatty, that's at uh, one o'clock. That's a long-running LGBTQIA plus singing group. Welcome all allies. Fun, no pressure. I don't know what else to say about it. Come and find out for yourself. I know it'll be a good afternoon. Congregation members can participate in that for free. Heart and Soul, our contemplative spiritual gathering, is happening tonight and Friday at 7 o'clock. It's a landmark one, our 200th week online. Uh, it's a great way to get to know people more deeply. This week's theme is community. Sign up with me if you want to come along to that. This Wednesday, we've got the in-person poetry group. Have a word with Brian if you want to go along and send him any poems that you want to share so he can print out copies for everyone in advance. 
and Sonia's got her near class on Friday at lunchtime, 12.30. Looking further ahead, uh, we've got the Better World Book Club, which got off to a smashing start last Sunday, if I say so myself. Uh, our next book is Less Is More by Jason Hickel, about degrowth and environmental factors. Another great book. That will be on uh, Sunday the 25th of February. This is the last of my church copies, if you want to borrow one. Uh, if, you, if this one gets snapped up, let me know, and we can always get another couple. As I mentioned, we've got the mini retreat coming up the first weekend in March. Please, please, please sign up for that in advance if you want to come. What we've said is we need a minimum of a six for it to go ahead. We ended up cancelling the in-person one last time. I'm pretty confident the online version will run come what may, but do let me know if you want the in-person one to go ahead. And next Sunday we'll be back here at 11 uh, when we'll be looking forward to the season of Lent through the length through the lens of strength training. I'm going to bring my dumbbells to church. <laughs> Details of all these activities are on the back of your order of service. They're in the Friday email. Do sign up for the mailing list if you haven't already. The congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch, look out for each other, and do what you can to nurture supportive connections. So just time for our closing words and closing music. As we leave here today, we give thanks for the many stories of our lives and for all those who hold us gently while we tell them. We leave grateful for the listeners, for those who sit quietly and give us the gift of a version of ourselves born in a moment of inner grace. And we leave grateful for the storytellers, those who, with courage and love, give us the gift of their true selves. So in the days to come, may we share our stories and gain wisdom and insight from the sharing. Amen. <laughs>